Happy New Year! With the new year approaching, many of us will make resolutions to change our ways. Well, how do we keep those resolutions? And more importantly, how can we make achievable, attainable, realistic goals? Well, this week, we've got an expert to share how you, our veterinary colleagues, can make this year your best ever. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine and a tough topic that all of us confront typically during the holidays is how do we change? How do we get better? How do we make things improved in our lives? Well, many of us will start out by making a list of New Year's resolutions only to find that by February we've forgotten about them. Well, this week we want to make sure you don't forget about the changes that you want and need in your life. And we've got an expert to join us in how you can do that. But before we start joining and doing, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, you are still on the mend. I, I got to tell you, you're starting your new year off like uh, with the goal of uh, getting ambulatory, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my resolution bar is low this year, but they're very <laughs> obtainable. And I'm excited. And, um, you know, I'm starting 2024 with a lot of gratitude. And um, honestly, not going to lie to you, very excited to be wrapping up the year with this with our guests today and to be having this conversation and just for introducing this person to the world because I think that um I think that in 2024 we need to be keeping an eye out for this individual she is an up and comer and what she does in her role I think is something that we all need to pay a lot of attention to well Becky I can't wait tell the viewfinders who's joining us this week Drum roll. So I got to meet this individual when I was lucky enough to join the unicorn team over at App State. You know, I love to shout out my ladies over there. Go Mountaineers. And our guest today... <laughs> Sorry, go Nears. Um, our, our guest today, her name is Rebecca Newman. And frankly, she has an incredible journey, um, of, not just in her life, but in veterinary medicine. She has a very special role. And she's our well-being coordinator at App State. And what I want to say is we are the only vet tech program that has a full-time well-being coordinator. And she is here live with us today, Miss Rebecca Newman. Hello, viewfinders, and Becky, thank you for a beautiful introduction, and Ernie, it is a pleasure to be on this podcast. Gosh, well, well, Rebecca, we are just delighted to have you here today, but before we get started, where are you calling from? I am calling from not just Colorado, but a dirt road off of a dirt road <laughs> on a farm in Colorado. That, that sounds like real Colorado to me. Well, that is fantastic. Well, you know, obviously, you know, Becky, we, we were big, big fans of the Appalachian State uh, Veterinary Technician Program. I have a daughter who's at App State. And, uh, you know, so we're a big fan of that whole area. How did you get involved with App State? Oh, that is a great question. And the way I got involved is a former colleague who is uh, also a former uh, vet tech teacher instructor of mine. She contacted me on the day that the well-being position was posted, and she said, "This job is for you." And I remember it was Mar I believe it was March fifteenth. I went online, I read it, and I thought this is a dream come true. 
what an opportunity to be of service to veterinary technician students and faculty and staff. And I applied and uh, it felt like a long time later, um, I joined the team. Right. And this is a big move, I think, Becky. And I'm really glad that we're having this conversation with Rebecca Newman today because, you know, I think more schools need a person like this on faculty because, you know, these are some of those soft skills, as they call them, that we just we're really deficient in and they, they, they set us up for success or failure. Yeah. And when you say a person like Rebecca, I want to kind of pause there and talk about who she is and her journey because she's so unique in her background. So Rebecca, tell us a little bit because, you know, RVT was not your first role uh, in kind of your journey. And um, so you have a very unique background. Will you tell us a little bit about kind of the path you started on and the fork you took to get to App State? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I'll try to keep this under two hours long. um, Essentially, my one of my passions is has always been psychology, people um, understanding behavior, helping people become their best selves. So as a young, fresh faced uh, college grad, I set out to Rutgers University to Uh, study clinical psychology as um, it was a graduate program. I would get my uh, doctorate of clinical psychology. And after six years, I actually was experiencing burnout. Um, I, in my past, I have a history of substance use disorder and writing a dissertation while while having those challenges was um, not really possible. So I made the tough decision to uh, walk away with my master's after six years and get sober. And that was just a huge turning point in my life. And from there, I had a career in business, and uh, and then in my 30s, really, I was missing the helping careers. I've always just loved animals and the human-animal bond. So I went back to school and became a credentialed veterinary technician. And uh, I've never been in practice, so that's something I readily say. And um, what I have been able to do is help students, faculty, and staff grow and um, hopefully flourish in, in their professions. Yeah, and Rebecca, I mean, that story is so powerful and so important for viewfinders and really all veterinary colleagues to hear because, you know, it's it's one, you know, really of redemption and salvation, but then also of giving back. I mean, that's really the element I think that sometimes we forget when we're scripting out the Hollywood dramas, right? You know, it's that, that what happens in Act 4, you know? It's like, well, then these people actually help others. And, and that's why I respect and admire what you're doing so much. Now, let's talk about it in the context of the daily up there at App State. Like, what does your job kind of entail? Like, what are the kind of services you provide that, you know, how do you help out those students? I I love that question because that has been an evolving uh, process. For um, example, I will spend part of the day really looking at the big picture. So 
what policies are we missing? Do we know what to do in a crisis if a student is um, expressing suicidal ideation? Uh, what so what are what are our procedures and um, do we have preparations? Um, you know, I know good leadership is uh, needs. We need to be prepared for everything. So I spend part of the time on big picture, a lot of teamwork, um, and I also spend uh, individual Zooms meeting with students, uh, helping provide them with resources. I am not a licensed clinician, um, but I'm able to help connect those students, help them feel heard, and I also try and do the same thing with our faculty and staff. Wow, I love that, Becky, so much because, you know, she's right. Like where we kind of, the missing element oftentimes is really critically analyzing the curriculum and like saying, hey, what are we doing here that we can do better? And what can we do to support our students as they take this journey? I mean, I love this so much. Becky, let me ask you this uh, as we're talking to Rebecca. You know, obviously both of you are on faculty there at the App State Veterinary Technician Program. But I mean, do you have students that are, are kind of coming to you and, and expressing the needs for these kinds of services? services or just asking for advice? I mean, I think it, it, yes, and more than they're coming and asking for because they know where to go if they're asking for it. It's more of having this amazing support person right, I get it, yeah. when I feel like they need it and they don't know they do right. or I just need to be sure. So it's, it's like it's not a matter of when they ask about it because when you're asking, resources are readily available. It's more of like, I don't have the tools like Rebecca said. She is licensed. She's she's read about, she's educated in this is what I should say. She has a background in this on top of her, her RVT. So it's just so cool to have a resource when it's like, I don't know what to tell them. I don't know how to handle this. I don't have the emotional space for this. I don't, you know, like there's so much about wanting to help our students that I don't think we feel qualified as instructors for. So the fact that we have this resource that says that I can say I'm a little worried about so and so or so and so shared with me X Y and Z, I would like to let them know that you're available for the, a conversation if you'd like. I'd like to 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 ask them if they would like to have a conversation with you. It's it's such a cool thing to be able to have that because so often we want to help and just we don't have the tools or we're not qualified and I don't want to be opt, you know toxically positive and just be like, you got this. I don't know what to say. And like, frankly, looking, you know, at this example of my life right now, like I have no emotional space for yeah. much more than what I'm going through, but my students always deserve that support. And Rebecca is that support. And then as well, um, just a, a huge asset for the team who can often feel overwhelmed. Um, obviously she was a, a, a huge, um, shining star in my journey um, of, re of recovery and healing over the last month and always checking in. Even, even when I wasn't officially on <laughs> app state time, she was still checking in with me. And so it's a, it's a resource just like, I hate to say this, Rebecca, I'm sorry. It's a tool. She is a tool, right, she, but right. she's a human, you know, and I mean that in a positive <laughs> way, but it's like, you don't know what you don't know. I love to say that. And it's like, I've taught before I've been in so many roles where it's like, man, I didn't know how bad I needed this resource until I had it. And 
that's why I was so excited to have Rebecca here today because clinics are are bringing in wellness individuals. They're outsourcing wellness. They're focusing on wellness now. Now college programs can be. Um, and at the sake of monologuing, as though as, you know that I love to, my biggest frustration lately around all this talk with well-being and mental health and compassion and all this. We talk around it. I just really think we talk around it. We don't dig into the nitty gritty. We don't dig into the how. And whenever you talk to Rebecca, she has a model. She has a book. She has an acronym. She has some kind of actual scientifically backed up way of approaching these things. And it is what I truly love about what she brings the students and the staff. Well, oh, that's a perfect segue because now we want to give some of those things. And, you know, uh, Rebecca, I am totally on board with, with Becky and, and, you know, it's been no secret, you know, I've, I, I kind of, when this first sort of emphasis or awareness, if you will, on like wellness and self-care, I, I used to, I wrote several articles that were a bit critical because people, I used to say, we have to go beyond the spa day, right? You know, people are like, oh, we do wellness. I mean, like we give our people like a spa day or we do do this or that. And they, and really, wellness and self-care is daily. It's minute by minute, I would argue. You know, it's like every every decision and every action that you take throughout your day sets you up towards progress or sometimes, you know, not. <laughs> so, you know, it really is a, a cumulative additive thing. So let's now go to the context of today's conversation, which is people are nearing the end of the year, beginning a new year. And oftentimes that's a catalyst for people to take change. So you know, I'd, I'd like to start by asking you, how can a person, and I, I guess, you know, most of us that do this, we all have our own little methodologies and, and systems and processes, but what advice do you have for someone to take the first step, which is to do self-reflection? That, um, so in terms of self, self-reflection, everyone does it differently. And I think that's where, we need to um, kind of know ourselves. Like, am I someone who likes to journal or is walking in the woods something that helps me reflect? Um, So pick what works for you. But I would say, I'm going to say, when we think about setting resolutions, do an 80-20 rule. Spend 80% of your time reflecting on... 2023 and 20% of your time setting a resolution and, and using something like a smart, the smart acronym for, uh, for setting a goal. Yeah. And and I I love that. It's a good start. And I agree, you know, using a Pareto principle approach, I think is, is really valuable because I think too often people say, okay, I'm now going to go on a diet or I'm going to run a marathon or I'm going to change jobs or whatever. These massive overwhelming goals without actually stepping back and saying what worked and didn't work last year, because really I'll tell you viewfinders in my experience as an old guy here on the podcast, where I've had the most success is building on success and strength. You know what I'm saying? Instead of like trying to always do something really different and removed, I like to say, what, what's working for me? Can I do more of that? And what's not working for me? Can I improve it or do less of that? So getting back to that reflection part, because again, I, I agree, this is where we should spend the majority of our time. What, what are some of the tactics that you recommend like to somebody who's saying, you know, I really haven't done this before. Like, you know, I, I tried a resolution of losing 20 pounds by March, you know, and that didn't work out. What, what are some of the advice that you give them to say, okay, I, let's start with reflection. So let me preface this by saying that I was anti-resolutions until last year. 
I am one of those people who had tried to lose weight or tried to get into exercising and, and it just wasn't working. So what the way I see it now is let me reflect if nothing else. And the way I do that is through positive psychology uh, through the PERMA model of well-being, right, right. those pillars, you guys are familiar with it, um, but for, for the viewfinders, uh, positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning, accomplishments, those are all the uh, pillars of well-being. And I like to reflect on how I'm doing in each area. And specifically, I would say my biggest tip would be to, if you haven't taken the VIA character strength survey recently or ever, find out your your character strengths. And just like you were saying, Ernie, pick your strengths and build on them. So too often we look at our character, like our weaknesses and think, oh, where, you know, how am I going to overcome that? Let's let's approach 2024 with a strengths-based model. Let's look at our strengths and find new ways to um, to practice them. Yeah. And I, and I love that you brought up uh, PERMA. We've, we've mentioned Seligman before. Uh, guys, I've recommended that book, Flourish. I think that's just a, a great primer for all of this types of positive psychology. I mean, this guy has done tremendous work in this area. So again, if you're not familiar with Martin Seligman, easy for me to say today, uh, then I definitely check out his book, Flourish. I'm sure you'd recommend that as well, Rebecca. I mean, it's a great start. 100%. Good, good. Okay, so getting back to this, you should sit down and again, I think, spend some time. And, you know, I, I know over the years, Rebecca, I've, I've given so many lectures and written articles about this and say, look, just, and for me, I am a goal setter. I am a, a New Year's resolution kind of guy. In fact, my wife and I, for many years, especially before the kids got too old, we would sit down on January 1st, like that was our official day and we would break off and she would go in one corner and I'd go in the other corner and we'd spend an hour just doing this reflection and looking forward type of exercise. But, you know, I, I also find, Rebecca, that it's really important to, for me at least, to capture that in writing. Now, do you have any thoughts on, you know, actually, I I believe in manifesting thought. Like, I really believe strongly that, you know, you've got to take it from the ethereal into the physical. And so, do you have any advice for that person who's saying, okay, what do I do? I go sit in the corner and just stew on it? I I do have some tips. And the, probably the number one thing is, Um, creating a ritual and not doing it alone. So, you know, self-care, that term always leads me into we care. Um, And and doing these oftentimes difficult things together. So I love hearing that you do it, you know, as a family. You may go into your separate corner, um, but you're doing it together. And Without that, I think that um, creating lasting change, building habits is really tough. So I would say, you know, get a a buddy, whether it's a family member, a partner, um, a colleague, and, and agree with each other that, hey, we're going to spend some time reflecting 
Um, so, you know, making it kind of a formal process, if you will. The second thing I would say is make it fun. Um, if something isn't, doesn't have an element of fun, it can really just fade away and, and, um, and it's, it's hard to, to come back to, at least in my experience. So I decorate my notebooks. You know, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that I bedazzle them, but I have color. <laughs> I'm thinking of Becky here. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> the glitter pens. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but make the process your own so that you enjoy it. And it's more likely that you'll, you'll do it on an ongoing basis. Um, That's, I mean, I do this type of thing on a daily basis, reflecting, um, setting intentions at the beginning of the day and then reflecting at the end. So for me, it's, it's taking it to that next level of reflecting on a whole 365 days um, and I need help with that because that's intimidating. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you too, if you finders, one of the things, especially early in our, our relationship and my wife and I dated for like eight years before getting married. And then we took a long time for us to have children. Um, and, and it was always nice. We would also set aside just a little bit of time to reflect on each other, like the areas. And, and we focus more on the positives, you know, Rebecca, that was just our jam. Mm-hmm. And we would say like, you know, what are some of the things, what are the major accomplishments that, that Ernie had or that Laura had? And I think, you know, that was always interesting to see how my wife perceived my year, if you know what I'm saying. And so I think if you've got a partner that you can do that with, it's also very helpful sometimes because, you know, I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's hard to reflect back and go, what I did well, we tend to focus on the negative. I mean, that's sort of a coping mechanism that many of us have have developed. And it's sometimes hard to focus on the positives in your life. And so it's nice sometimes to have another perspective to say, gosh, you know, you really did this, this amazing thing. And you're thinking, I didn't, that was nothing, you know? So I think the more you can do that, the better. Now, while we're writing down some of the wins for the year, we now want to look forward to what we want to accomplish in the next year. And so, Rebecca, maybe give us some reasons why we're starting with reflection and how that impacts our goals and resolutions for the next year. Sure. Well, you know, if we're not reflecting on what went well um, and at at work with my amazing app state team, um, we use a what went well and even better yet framework. Nice. So in in looking at what went well, um, this this helps me, this already gives me a good feeling of, hey, these are the things I did well, or I did well with my husband, or I did well with my work team. And um Having that knowledge is helps us to prevent doing the same thing over and over again. Right. So um, if I'm not if I'm not taking a, a thoughtful look at what happened, I don't know what to keep doing. So that's also a big key: is what do I want to keep doing this upcoming year? Um, one example for me is community. I I have a wonderful community and it's mainly online right now. So I would say what went well for me this past year, building a community with, with App State and 
getting to know different departments, getting to grow deeper relationships with my colleagues. Even better yet is I'd like to build a community here in rural Colorado. And that's been a challenge. So that's part of where what I'm looking towards for 2024. Okay, I love this. And and Becky, again, I know you're just taking notes there, but I also know that you're on on the phone and on the men. So um feel free to jump in whenever, whenever you need to. <laughs> no, I keep I, I keep like going to and then you know the unfortunate part of us having worked together for seven years is you're stealing my thoughts. And um it's good and and we're getting to hear all of these things that I know are so important. And I think, you know, Rebecca emphasizes such an important thing is the what went well. And we don't focus on the pot. We just inherently as human beings don't. I guess what I wanted to ask Rebecca here and take this opportunity is, okay, so we're, first of all, okay, you know me, I have seven sidebars here. I have a lot (laughs) to talk about, but I'm excited. Number one, I want to shamelessly promote Josh Weisman with Flourish Veterinary Consulting's Positive Psychology course. Um, he actually has a certificate in positive veterinary leadership um, and a certificate in applied veterinary resilience that they've just launched. And if you want to understand more about this um, magnifying the positive, doing more of what works well, building that resiliency, these courses are where you want to be. One is taught by Josh himself, the other by Andy Davidson, um, two just human gems. Josh has been on the show. Um, so if you kind of are interested in what um, Rebecca's alluding to a little bit here in terms of like um, the, wait a minute, focus on what went well. How do, right, I, right, how right. do I do that? Like, like really pull that apart. Positive psychology is where that's at. Um, okay. Coming back to the other half of this is, it is very important to do individually. It is very, um, it's it's a self practice, right? Right. But Rebecca, as a team, when we when we think about our office managers, our team leads, our docs out there who would love to see this in the clinic or or translate this into the professional side of things, what is your advice? What are those steps? How do you kind of pull people together and make something like this happen for your clinic in twenty twenty four? Oh, I love this already. I am, I love uh, facilitating group activities, and a a think pair share comes to mind immediately. So, coming together as a group, giving folks a chance to reflect, um, jot down some notes about what you know what went well in 2023, and then pair off. So give folks the opportunity to um, to chat with another team member and give them some prompts. So guide them in, you know, what would help our team be even stronger this upcoming year, and then come back together as a full team and you know have. Um, have a big post-it board if you can, where you can post sticky notes and and get a visual. So many of us in veterinary medicine are visual visual people. So stick up those those ideas for um, for what can help the team uh, team do an even better job in 
2024. And those activities, they don't have to take more than 45 minutes tops. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, and it can, it can have such a payoff. So I, I think part of this is just take the time to do it. Yeah. And Rebecca, I love the fact that you said it doesn't take that long. Like we would do this in our clinics during a staff training program, right? So, so our weekly staff training, <laughs> we would just set aside, you know, and we did this twice a year. And I want to, that's going to lead us now to the next part. I think that's super important. And that's the follow through with this. So, so now you've gotten your team, you've gotten your individual, your personal, professional, whatever your goals are, right? You've reflected. Now you've said, these are the things I'm going to work on for this next year. To me, the most important part of finding more meaning in your life and happiness and all that stuff is, <laughs> is the fact that you now follow through on this stuff. And it doesn't, you know, I think Rebecca, sometimes people say, oh, I failed at losing weight or I didn't do the marathon or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. That's really, to me, that's never the purpose, the intent, the value. The value is the journey, right? And and again, if you abandon all your goals, well, then I would say we probably are setting the wrong goals or somehow some some mechanism is wrong in your life. But Rebecca, maybe give some, some tips for accountability and then monitoring and managing and adapting those goals as we move forward in 2024. Absolutely. And you, you hit the nail on the head. Follow through is so... It's so important to us because it, it can make or break that whole experience. And let's set up, set ourselves up for success. So, for example, um, I did a, a Wellbeing Wednesday workshop with our team yesterday. And we were talking about writing gratitude letters and the, uh, just the benefit of that to, to our well-being and the, the scientific evidence that backs that up. So I um, encouraged everyone who wanted to do this to, to, to choose an accountability buddy. And that with that person, they will work through how they are going to do that follow through we talk about. So whatever goal you set, having that buddy to establish um, milestones, um, opportunities for celebration, talking through check-ins, talking through, hey, what's what's going well about this goal? Do I need to pivot a little bit and and shift it? Maybe I'm not going to run a marathon this year. Maybe a 5K is more more reasonable. And having that buddy who knows what you're working on is invaluable. Um, it, it can also be done with like a mentor, with a coach, with a sponsor. Right, right. Um, and I know I have one colleague who I've never met in person, but she and I encourage each other to, um, to exercise. And we text each other every couple of days and just check in. Hey, what's going, what's going well? What's getting in the way of things? You know, I also think that is a, another opportunity to catch yourself and say what went well, right? Instead of saying my resolution for last year didn't work or I've tried this over and over again, it I, when you catch yourself in that that sort of mind frame, it, it's a great time to do that pause and do that appreciative inquiry and say, okay, mm -hmm. the whole the whole process didn't work, but what went well about it? I got really good at drinking water. Like I, got, I hit my water goals. That was outstanding. 
what other part of losing that 20 pounds could I focus on? One thing I find obnoxious about us in veterinary medicine, myself included, and have to constantly remind myself is um, 1% is good if if not better than trying for a hundred percent, you know, and we always are like, if I, like, I always use the example of meal prepping. I, I always wanted to meal prep and I was like, I just can't cook for seven days. And, and I wouldn't, I couldn't do it. And then all of a sudden I said to myself, well, like, what if I did three days? Like, what if I meal prep till Wednesday and breaking it down like that made it so much more consumable and obtainable. And then I was successful. And so if we break these goals down a little bit, and, and I think that is the thing as a team is like, when we throw these really lofty goals, like get everybody here out of, out of here on time. Like, okay, whoa, that would be a great goal. But like, can we take that and break that down into pieces um, that are, 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 like Rebecca said, sort of that smart goal. Um, I think we have a, we are overachievers. We're super chickens. You know, I love to talk about the super chickens. And so if we can say like, how can I be a, a normal chicken here and just do a good job at, working toward this greater thing. Um, so just like remind people to look at what part went really good and then what the next step is for that. Not what this big lofty achievement looks like. Um, when we, we tend to, I feel like we just set ourselves up for failure that way. And then, you know, you do the whole like, well, I'll start again on Monday kind of thing. Um, I hear this so often, and, and then um, the other piece, Rebecca, I think is that accountability. And that's what our team is there for. And giving ourselves grace, but also saying, you know, excuses aren't a part of this. I know that I'm not going to be 100% perfect at this, but we're not going to give up just because we came a little off track. And that's those are kind of the things that I hear um, you talking about that I think are just so important and then getting that whole team on board. Do you have any advice for the resistant? Because I think one of the things we find in clinic goals like this, and, and individually, it's sort of like, okay, well, if you're not ready, or you know, if you need to be coached or mentored through this as a person, when we have a team. What do you? How do you recommend approaching conversations where somebody isn't working toward that team goal or doesn't seem to be on board? Do you have good advice for? for our leaders and our team leaders and and really truly anybody out there who has like, oh, we all get on board with this one kind of stick in the mud. I do. And um, I don't typically give advice um, unless I'm asked for it. So thank you for asking for the advice. (laughs) Um, I, uh, you know, I would say, in in that situation, I want to call time out and sit down and and have a conversation with that person because there is something that is uh, preventing them from joining the team, and I want to find out what it is um, with compassion, with with empathy, with with an open ear, and. Um, and I'm guessing that I'm just making an. If I'm a team lead, I'm I'm making an assumption or I'm missing something, um, you know. And if 99% of people are on board, but that one person isn't, um, I need to pay attention to that one person and and see. Ask them, hey, you know, what's your? Um, I've noticed that that you don't seem 
totally into this. Um, I'd love to understand where you're coming from. Um, so I would say be curious. That be curious and and include that person and see if there might be maybe there's a different way that they that that person wants to participate um, or maybe it's bringing up a lot of um, a lot of past you know trauma for them and we don't even realize it. Rebecca, I love that. I'd just like to kind of add to that. You know, Becky, I've been in this situation multiple times in my career. And, you know, I tend to give people, if there's one or two outliers in these group settings, we're doing goal setting pro, you know, projects and so forth. I give them permission. I give them a pass, right? You know, because not everybody thrives or enjoys those types of situations. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm with you, Rebecca, I'm going to try to find out, be curious, but I'm also, it's not going to be a deal breaker for the rest of the team. Now I may discover that, wow, we could enhance the process and make it, you know, so much more streamlined and efficient, but you know, I, I love what you're saying about kind of giving permission. The other thing too, viewfinders, I just keep this in mind as we wrap up today's conversation, the, the purpose of setting new year's resolutions, in my opinion, is to establish habits that you're proud of that benefit your life, right? It's not necessarily to achieve a goal in the end, although I think that's a really important structure and framework to work within, but it's really to sit back and, and develop a part of you that becomes habitual that, again, is leading to progress. And, you know, Rebecca, I'll tell you a funny uh, story. I was just lecturing in the UK recently, and uh, I had um, was getting up early, and I was hitting the gym every day, as, as I do, six days a week. And one of the veterinary colleagues saw me, you know, working out and came over and said, oh, yeah, hey, good to see you, Dr. Ward, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what are you training for? And I was like, um, nothing. And he goes, well, wh why are you in here? <laughs> you know, and, and that's the point, right? I'm not doing Ironman. I'm not doing marathons. I'm not doing all those things that I did when I was a little younger, <laughs> but I developed habits and those habits continue to stick with me and they, again, benefit my life. So if you're listening today and you're saying, ah, this stuff I've tried, it, it never worked, whatever, try it again, try a different approach. Remember that the goal is to establish healthy habits because, you know, Rebecca, I think that at the end of the day, when I think of self-care and wellness. It's a minute-by-minute, day-by-day, action-oriented process. It's not just you did this thing and therefore wellness check. <laughs> you know, it is a lifelong endeavor. Any last bits of advice for those still skeptical about uh, maybe reflecting and setting resolutions for the new year? I would say you're, you don't have to do it alone. It's not a, it doesn't have to be a one-person thing. If it is something you'd like to do alone, wonderful. Um, if it's something that you'd like to do, but it's been a challenge in the past, um, I can guarantee you that there are lots of people who would love to buddy up with you. Um, I am one of those people. So a final thought also is you can set these, set resolutions or commitments at any time of the year. Um, if the new year, I think the new year is a wonderful time to do it. Um, I also have certain other times during the year where I spend reflecting. And so I think, you know, we make it our own and and we can do it together. But let's let's share our successes and um, and support each other around this. 
Gosh, I love that so much. Viewfinders, that's what we're here for, to support each other and maybe give some insights into making your life a little bit better. I want to thank Rebecca Newman for taking time with us during the busy holidays to tell us how we can set New Year's resolutions that make a difference. Uh, Becky, again, I'm so glad that you're on the mend. And if people want to tell Rebecca or you how they're going to do their New Year's resolutions, how can they tell you? You guys, make sure you take a quick second to to check out the links in the comments because Rebecca has shared some of her favorite links, um, some maybe go-tos for her 2023 she enjoyed and things she's looking forward to um, reading more or, or looking at in 2024. There are so many resources out there, just like we tell our clients. Rebecca has sifted through the muck to find the best <laughs> for us, so make sure you check those out. Share your New Year's resolutions, or maybe if you want an accountability buddy, I guarantee you we can help you out with that as well. Guys, have a happy, happy, happy New Year. And Becky, please continue to get stronger and better. Rebecca, thank you so much. We will talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Thank you so much. You did great. Yay.